Good afternoon, community of faith. <laughs> it's so good to see you guys. Uh, if this is your first time joining us here at Community of Faith, let me catch you up just a little bit. For the last couple of weeks, we've been discussing how to control our emotions and not let our emotions control us. And I'm sure you can recall the last time you were controlled by your emotions. Did you need that fifth box of Girl Scout cookies? And did you really need to tell that person exactly how you felt while you were that upset? And what was the outcome? Probably regret, disappointment, and maybe even guilt. And so this week, I'd like us to continue the discussion of not being controlled by our emotions by highlighting the importance of letting go. Specifically, letting go of the past. And I'll be the first to admit that letting go isn't always easy. For example, I recently heard a funny story about a man hiking up a very steep mountain. He got too close to the edge and lost his footing and began to fall. In an attempt to save his life, he grabbed onto a branch. And while he's hanging there, he looks down and sees that the canyon falls straight down for more than a thousand feet. So he started yelling, hoping someone would throw him a rope. Help! Help! Is anyone up there? A booming voice responded, Jack, it's me, God. I can see you. I'm here to help you. Oh, God, please help me. Oh, my gosh. If you, if you will just get me down from here, God, I promise I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go back to church. I'll be a better person. I even let the seat down in the bathroom. God, I promise. I promise. Whoa, whoa. Easy on the promises, Jack. Let's just get you down from there first, and then we can talk. Here's what I need you to do. Listen carefully. Let go of the branch. What? I said, let go of the branch. Just trust me and let go. After a short silence, Jack began to yell again, help, help, is anyone else up there? <laughs> and that's just a funny story about how hard it is sometimes to let go. And so today I want us to spend just a few minutes uncovering why it's so important for us to let go of our past, as well as what practical steps we can take uh, to be completely liberated from the pain of our past. I think we can all agree that May is somewhat of a transition month, right? Uh, we transition from spring to summer in the month of May. All of the flying bugs we love to hate come out in May. May is also around the time when people start making some major life transitions. For example, some of you are getting ready to graduate from high school and either step into the workforce or head off to college. Or maybe you're a parent anxious about your child who's getting ready to graduate from high school, leave home, and head off to the academic circus. I mean, college. Or maybe you're in college and you too are getting ready to graduate and pursue a graduate degree or step into the workforce. Or maybe you're in the workforce and you're looking forward to your transition called a new job or your retirement date. Speaking of date, I know many of you are preparing and are excited for your transition, which is your wedding date. And if you're single, then I'm sure you just can't wait to date. But regardless of who you are and where you are, all of us will experience some type of transition. 
One truth that I've had to learn and accept over the years is that the seasons of our life are connected. The present eventually becomes the past, and the past is bound to show up in our future. And if we're not careful, we'll transition into something new and exciting, weighed down by the baggage of our past. In 2010, I was attending graduate school in Austin, Texas, and my mom came to visit me in my little tiny apartment, and she called to let me know that she was outside so that I could help her with her luggage, and so I ran outside and hugged and kissed my mom, popped open the trunk, and y'all, I'll tell you, she had these three overly sized, extra large suitcases. I'm talking about the ones so large that the airlines would charge you an extra ticket for because they were just that large. And so I looked at my mom, I said, Mama, how long? are you staying? She said, two days. I said, well, why do you have so much luggage? She said, well, I didn't know what you had planned. And so I brought extra stuff just in case. And that's kind of like us, right? Because of our past experiences, we travel through life weighed down by so much extra stuff like emotional baggage. And if you and I were to watch a highlight reel of your past, what would some of your stuff or emotional baggage look like? Would we see a decision you made that hurt or damaged your marriage? Would we see the broken promises from a parent when you were just a child? Would we see you willing to give your body in exchange for someone's heart? Would we see you cheating on an exam because the risk of not passing the class outweighed the risk of getting caught? Would we see an encounter you had on your job with your boss that made you feel overly insecure in not only your relationships, but in every job after? What would we see? The second question I'd ask you is, what was the outcome? Let me know if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure the outcome was you probably wishing you could go back in time and change what happened, right? I hear people all the time say, I wish I knew then what I know now. But the reality is, is we can't change the past. But for many of us, the video footage of what we did wrong or how we were wronged plays over and over and over in our minds. And the emotions associated with betrayal, disappointment, and failure weigh heavier, heavier, seemingly each time we think back. And what ends up happening is we get trapped in the prisons of our mind, shackled by the life-depleting emotions called shame, guilt, regret, and fear. As a result, we respond to people from a hurt place. Have you ever heard of the, the saying, hurt people hurt people? Yeah, it's when a person has been hurt by someone and meet someone new, They hurt that new person because something about that new person reminds them of their past experience. So in anticipation, they hurt that new person solely because they don't want to be hurt again. And watch this. The new person never did anything wrong. So we not only respond to people from a hurt place, but we also make decisions from a place of fear. And our worldview is shaped through the lens of guilt and regret. And friends, I'll tell you, if we do not let go of our past, 
we cannot fully embrace our future. Someone's life that I think helps us to drive home this point is Peter. Peter was a disciple of Jesus, and where I'm from, we call Peter that ride or die friend, right? That friend who, if you were about to get into a fight, he would fight for you. I mean, that's how committed Peter was to Jesus. However, the night before Jesus would go to the cross, Peter gets caught up in a moment and controlled by his emotions. Jesus was in court and Peter was outside the courthouse warming his hands by the fire pit and trying to hear what was going on. All of a sudden, a girl walks up to the fire pit and recognizes Peter and says, wait, don't I know you? Now, let me set the scene for you. Jesus has just been arrested and Peter is fearful that he might be next. So out of fear, P Peter responds, uh, no, I'm not on Facebook. And the girl responds, no, that's not where I know you from. You're friends with Jesus, aren't you? Peter responds again, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -mm. And the girl says again, yeah, you look really familiar. Aren't you like one of his disciples or something? Peter replies again, nope, mm -mm, not me. Maybe somebody else, but not me. Mm -mm. Around that time, a guard who was standing by walks up to Peter and says, hey, man, Wait, you were just hanging out with Jesus a few minutes ago, weren't you? Now, Peter's fear has been mixed with frustration, and he responds out of anger a third time. Yo, I told you, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know that Jesus guy. I think you got the wrong guy. And at that very moment, a rooster crows, and immediately Peter's mind goes back to a conversation he had with Jesus earlier. And in that conversation, Jesus was preparing Peter for the moment he would get caught up in his emotions. He says, Peter, before I go to the cross, you are going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. He says, I know you love me. I know you're committed, but you're about to be overwhelmed and controlled by your emotions and deny being connected to me. Peter responds with an emphatic, no, Lord, I would never betray you. However, just as Jesus predicted, Peter gets caught up and controlled by his fear and denies being connected to Jesus. Now, can you imagine the weight of guilt and regret Peter must have been experiencing in this moment because he had just denied knowing his best friend. And we've all been in that same place, right? In a place where we've allowed our emotions to control us like Peter. Fast forward a few days, Jesus has been crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. And it's recorded that following his resurrection from the dead, Jesus made a number of appearances to his followers. According to John, who was also a disciple, Jesus made a special appearance to Peter. Let's take a look at John chapter 21, verse 15. It says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus replied. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt 
that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. The part that I'd like to highlight here is that when Jesus asked Peter if he loved him, he used a word for love that signified total commitment. But Peter responded with a a word for love that signified his love for Jesus, but not necessarily his total commitment. Biblical scholars believe that this was not because Peter was reluctant to express that greater love, but because he had just denied Jesus in the past. He was now hesitant to make a claim of supreme devotion when in the past his life did not support such a claim. And I'll say it again, friends, if we do not let go of our past, we cannot fully embrace our future. But what I love about this encounter between Jesus and Peter in verse 15 is that while Peter is still holding on to his past, Jesus invites Peter. Jesus invites Peter, the same Peter who denied knowing him, Jesus invites him into something new. Jesus invites Peter to embrace a reality or future filled with forgiveness, love, and healing. And I believe in my heart today that Jesus wants to invite you into something new. Jesus wants to invite you to embrace a reality filled with forgiveness, love, and healing. So that you no longer transition into something new with a perspective shaped by guilt, shame, regret, or fear. But rather, you transition into relationships and opportunities healthy, whole, and healed. The question I'd like us to answer now is how? How do we let go of the past? How do we stop the barrage of negative thoughts from plaguing our minds and making us feel as we are inadequate or not enough because of something that has happened in our past? I believe the Apostle Paul can help us with this. Will you turn with me again to Philippians 3 verse 12? it reads, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Just a bit of background here. Paul is locked up in a Roman prison while writing this letter to a small group of Jesus followers who were being persecuted in the city of Philippi. And in this letter, Paul is encouraging those followers to stand fast in their faith by letting go of the past, both good and bad, and focusing on Christ and living a life that reflects true devotion to him. Paul says, my goal is for my life to reflect total commitment and complete devotion to Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, I haven't arrived or even achieved my goal, but one thing I do is forgetting those things that are behind me and pressing, reaching, even straining towards those things that are ahead. 
And that word pressing here indicates a daily or continual activity, something that we must do every day. And for some of us, we'll have to do it minute by minute. And I know some of you may say, Johnny, you don't understand the level of pain and hurt that I've experienced in my past. And you're right, I may not. And I don't want to make light of what you've gone through, but I must say that if we are going to truly let go of our past and truly be liberated and truly be free from the emotional baggage holding us back, we must first identify and acknowledge what happened. This is the first and necessary step in unpacking the baggage that has been weighing us down. And let's be honest, for some of us, this first step can be pretty scary. But I want to encourage you to invite somebody to unpack that baggage with you. And that's what we call community. Or you may want to seek professional help here at our counseling center from people who are trained to support you and walk with you. But I'll tell you, acting like it didn't happen doesn't make the guilt or regret go away. In fact, trying not to think about it only adds to the pain and dysfunction. Secondly, we must either forgive ourselves or those who hurt us. If we're forgiving ourselves, we must realize that when we step into a relationship with Christ, we experience His forgiveness. So if God doesn't hold it against us, then why are we? If we are forgiving others, then we must understand that true forgiveness means not holding them hostage for the hurt that was inflicted. Scripture tells us that as we have been forgiven, so should we forgive others. And I know that's easier said than done, but the good thing is, is that we don't have to do it alone. Thirdly, we ask God to heal the pain of, or guilt of our past. In the book of Exodus, chapter 15, one of the names used for God is Jehovah Rapha, which means the God who heals. And when we go before God, he's able to heal our past hurt, our past pain, our past regret, our past shame, and our past disappointment. And even the fear that immobilizes us and keeps us from embracing our future. And I get it. Even after we've acknowledged, forgiven, and prayed, sometimes the emotional baggage somehow finds its way back, doesn't it? And so when I find myself in that place or triggered by something that reminds me of my past, I simply STP. I stop, think, and pray. I stop dwelling on the past. And I start thinking about what God says about me. And then I pray. And as I pray, I remind myself of God's truth. So the next time you're overwhelmed by the thoughts or emotions connected to your past, simply stop, think, and pray. Every time those emotions begin to well up, just stop, think, and pray. Will you do it with me? Come on, let's practice. Stop, think, and pray. Every time they come up, just stop, think, and pray. Last week, Laura talked about how we must trade the lies of the enemy for God's truth. 
Because it's the lies of the enemy that keep us holding on to our past and thinking that we're only as good as the bad that has happened in our lives. And that's simply not true, right? Laura also mentioned that it's through daily prayer and time meditating on God's truth that we let go or wash away the pain and guilt associated with the memory of our past and embrace our future. And it's through prayer that we remind ourselves of God's truth, that if any person be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away or gone away and the new has come. It's through prayer that we remind ourselves that if we confess our sins or our shortcomings to God, he is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's through prayer that we remind ourselves that there is now no condemnation unto those who are in Christ Jesus. And it's even through prayer that we remind ourselves that even while we were yet far from God, he was still pursuing us with his unconditional, reckless, and relentless love. And to me, y'all, that speaks volumes that the God of the universe, who is unrestricted by time and space, stepped out of eternity, wrapped himself in flesh, stepped into time just to come see about us, just to come set us free. Because the whole purpose of the cross of Jesus Christ was to give us life beyond our past, not get stuck in it. But we limit God's work in our life when we limit him to the lies that have become true to us. And in order to embrace our future, we have to believe that God is bigger than our mistakes. He's bigger than our past and he's bigger than our limitations and he's bigger than our shortcomings. And that he's not only more powerful than anything we've done, but he's also stronger than anything ever done to us. 